Hello and welcome from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This podcast you're about to hear was recorded at our Kublup campus. So sit back, relax, and enjoy what God has to say to you. Okay, well, we continue in our series on um, knowing God. Um, and Michael will end the series next week. Uh, but this week we take a look at truth. Um, Certainly relevant for us because we're doing the cults on a Monday night at the Bible study, and it doesn't take too much to deviate off the truth, and uh, that deviation uh, can often sound attractive, and it's very palatable, and it sounds good, but it is not the truth. So uh, we want to read from 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 to 6. 1 John 4, verses 1 to 6. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. You dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Just a quick background. You'll remember that right in the beginning I said that there are uh, 35 times, 35 occasions in this little book uh, of five chapters that John uses the words to know. But he also takes the word or the words to love and uses them 35 times. And so what he's basically saying that there are these Gnostics, Gnostics, G-N-O-S-T-I-C-S, that uh, coming from the Greek word Gnosis, that say, well, we know God and we are better than everybody else because we know about him quite a lot. And so John writes and he says, if you know God, to know means to love. In other words, the things that you do will determine whether you really know God. In other words, it's not just head knowledge, it's not just academia, but it is something that is real and you put into practice. And so he writes to them and he says, listen, you can be from all over the world, but if you know Christ, The Spirit unites us. The Spirit unites us. No matter what tribe, kindred, or nation, or language you speak or come from, it is the Spirit of God that unites us. And how do we know what the Spirit says? Well, the Word of God. Romans 10, 17. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing not from academia and study, but hearing from the Word of God to study the Word of God, to make sure that you know the Word of God and to know it well. As you know what is right, you pick up what is wrong. Not discover all the wrong things in the world, 
but to know what is right, you pick up what is wrong. And so the question I want to ask this morning is, which truth, which truth do we believe in? And so uh, it's asked everywhere in our society today, especially at our universities. Two plus two equals four for some. Two plus two can equal five if you like. It's how you see it. It's your interpretation of what truth is. And so how do we know when somebody's telling the truth? In fact, you'll hear politicians say, let me tell you a truth. And they will lie. You can't speak back to the television because they'll lock you up because you're crazy. But that person will say, this is the truth. And it's a lie. That's why there is argumentation. Some of us will justify certain things and call them a holy lie. You know, it's for a greater good. It's a holy line. We justify it. And you often hear people say, well, you know what I mean. Uh, actually not, <laughs> because it's a lie. And so we often ask ourselves, which truth? How do we know when someone is telling the truth? Because everybody is quite ready to redefine these terms of what truth is. And so the question still remains, how do we determine what is true? And that is vital in the day and age that we're living in. But it's also important to be able to discern what is truth from error, or else we will be quickly led astray. I get um, these uh, sermons during the week that people send me, and uh, they want me to comment on them. And I realize, my goodness, it doesn't take long before I can hear that this does not sound right. You know, people predicting when the end will come. Uh, people predicting uh, that COVID was the end. Well, hopefully not. Or, you know, if that happens, great. But, you know, the, all these, these crazy things that people begin to think that is right. And, folks, that's where we get the start of these religious cults and these religious movements that end up in cults. And, you know, we have all these different kinds of isms, you know, and they look attractive, but they're far from the truth. So how do we sort them all out? Uh, how do we evaluate all these claims? Well, I think there are two extremes. The two extremes, the first one is that, that some people uh, evaluate religious truth based solely on the intellectual and the academic considerations. In other words, if you are able to justify certain things through philosophy or through argumentation, then you know things well. Now, we know in philosophy uh, from our universities, people have to make a claim. But you don't just make a claim. You have to present an argument, an argument that has three components, that uh, statements that are relevant, statements that are acceptable, and they need to be based on good grounds. And when you can argue that, well, you know, forget about God in the picture or not, then you are actually correct. And that becomes truth for you. And so philosophy will lead to certain facts, people might say. And if you have these facts, you know what? You've got it right. That's what they will claim. And that's why it's hard to philosophize about God. Because how do you explain where God is? People say, show me God. Now for you and I, we know that God speaks to us. Where is he? He is in our hearts. He's in our minds. Well, show him to me. Well, we can't show him, but he is real. We know that. Well, which part of your heart is he? The left or the right ventricle? I don't know, but I know that he's real and he speaks. And so it's hard to explain that. So the academic can often lead people astray 
because they can justify certain things that are not the truth. The other extreme is this purely subjective uh, approach to uh, what is truth. In other words, it's all about the experience. You know, if it feels good and if it's emotionally good, then it must be right. And my personal opinion uh, is that that's why on a Sunday night and, you know, kind of before COVID, you, you would hear uh, the Sunday night services at many churches, the sound gets pushed up and that, you know, the place is filled with young people because they feel the Holy Spirit. Boom, 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 boom. As a theologian, I kind of pick up some of these trends and I go, wow, they feel it. But when it comes to the preached word of God, they fall asleep because they don't feel it anymore, you see. That one, you know, it's all about this fake, you know, you've got to feel good. When you go into the world and it doesn't feel good, Kirsten, then it's a problem. Because if, it, you know, God is all good and it's all about feeling and there can't be pain and suffering, then it's not of God. Well, folk, that's not the truth. And there are heaps of verses about suffering in the scripture. And Jesus knows all about them. And he knows them intimately. But can I say this? Too much Holy Spirit, you blow up. <laughs> Not enough Holy Spirit, you dry up. So there needs to be both the academia and the good balance of the Holy Spirit. And that's how you grow up. So no blow up, no dry up, but a bit of both, you grow up. And so we need each other. We need the Holy Spirit to reveal the truth to us. We can't be gullible people, you know, and get these, these big fancy celebrities to come and, and brainwash us. And, you know, you do these three things and your life will be sorted out. Look at yourself in the mirror and just say, yes, 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 you can do it. Wake up and go and conquer. The first bus that comes across your path, the first obstacle comes, boom, it doesn't feel good. That is rubbish rubbish so we want the life of the spirit christianity without the holy spirit is not christianity at all and it's the spirit that that leads us to truth and that does not contradict itself i remember there was um, a video conference uh, in manila many years ago i think in 1989 it was the lausanne conference and i wasn't able to go but i saw a recording afterwards and there were literally thousands of people from all over the world. And Billy Graham was the speaker. And no matter what tribe, what kindred, what language people spoke, wherever they were, they were able to come and agree. Why? Because it was around the word of God. It was around the word of God. And the spirit, no matter what background you have, as long as you, you are fastened in the word of God, it makes sense and there is congruency. But when we all do our own thing, that is error. And so I want to suggest a few things with reference to the truth. Number one, there's got to be a healthy skepticism. A healthy skepticism. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, we should not believe just anything that comes uh, along our path uh, and claims to be God. Because we read in verse 1, John says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit that... Uh, but test the spirits to see where they are, whether they are from God. And the word test there, dokimazete, means to test, to examine, to scrutinize. Like a metallurgist scrutinizes 
metals. I was told back in South Africa, and I'm sure it happens here, that those who examine the wheels of a train, because the wheels are steel, those who examine the wheels of a train tap the wheel to see whether it's still fine. If there's a crack in the wheel, that's dangerous. They need to replace it. It's obvious in a car wheel because it goes flat. But in a steel wheel of a train, because it's metal, they tap it. We used to joke, we used to call that guy, you know, a, a tapiologist. <laughs> He's actually just an examiner of train wheels, not a tapiologist. But they examine. Why? Because they've got an ear. They've been trained to have an ear to check. And so examine, test, test uh, the spirits to see where they are from God. Examine them to see if they are genuine after examination. Is it fake or is it genuine? Because once you do that, you begin to see that it's either from God or not. And folk, I cannot just rely on my spiritual or emotional experiences. It's got to come from God. And I'm scared of people who say, God told me to tell you when God has my address. And what they tell me is not even close to what the Word of God says. My first week at Bible college as a student, the principal said, if you make a statement, make sure that you show me from the Word. That, that's the plumb line. Not from first imaginations, but from the Word of God. You know, after two weeks at Bible college, I know everything. And I would go and I'd say, you have to do this. He says, show me in the Word of God. No, but my pastor in my church told me. He said, thank you so much. Show me in the Word of God. And that's our plumb line, you see. And that's the mystery we can often use as an excuse. And what does he say in verse 1? Because there are many false prophets. Comes from two words there, or it's one word in Greek, but comes from two words, pseudo prophetis. Pseudo, pseudo, fake, liar. Prophetis, prophet. Speaks the word of God, but he's actually fake. He's a pretender. He is acting like an inspired prophet, but it's far from the word of God. Folks, it's got to come from the Bible. Why? Because this book contains the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, and the happiness of believers. Its doctrine is holy, its precepts are binding, its histories are true, and its decisions are immutable. Read it to be wise, believe it to be saved, and practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you, food to support you, and comfort to cheer you. It is the traveler's map, the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian's character. Here heaven is open and the gates of hell are disclosed. Christ is the grand subject, our good, uh, its design, and the glory of God, its end. It should fill the memory, rule the heart, and guide the feet. Read it slowly, frequently, and prayerfully. It is a mine of wealth, health to the soul, and a river of pleasure. It is given to you here in this life, will be opened at the judgment, and is established forever. It involves the highest responsibility, will regard the greatest labor, and condemn all who trifle with its contents. Folk, you get these people who are so eloquent and can easily lead people astray. Many who are speaking in the name of God, but they are not of God. They speak in the name of God, like David Koresh, you'll see up on the screen there. You know, that leader of the Branch Davidians, excellent speaker, 
good-looking guy, but led people astray. It sounded good, but it was far from the truth. The other guy, Jim Jones, Reverend Jim Jones from the People's Temple, even looks like a good, solid uh, theologian, but far from the truth are the words that he spoke. If I were to draw a line here on this wall, or uh, assuming that this is the line, and this is where we are, and the top is where God is, it's through John 14, 6, that Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life that we get to the Father. But if I were to just, instead of this line being the right one, I were to pull a little bit of a tangent this way, it doesn't look too far from the truth here, but from the big long-term agenda, it's far from the truth. It sounds good, it is attractive, but it is bad for us. And folks, that's what a pigsty is like. You can look at it, you can see it, you can smell it. You don't have to go and you know, bathe in it to, to see what it's like. It's bad news and it's evident. Why? Because we know what is right, we can pick up what is wrong. So you'll see these guys like Koresh and Jones, they are very sincere but sincerely wrong. And so John writes and he says, be on your guard, be on your guard. So what are we to do in November 2020 in this regard? Well, let me share with you uh, the key to evaluating truth or error. Well, it goes without saying that Christ is the key. Christ is the key to evaluating uh, the truth. And so he writes to in verses two and three, this is, uh, how you know and recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. The word order in the English is not good. The original says that Jesus as Christ. In other words, Jesus as Savior, as Jesus as Messiah, the one that was promised in the Old Testament has come, that he is Jesus. Nobody will come after him as Savior. They will come as maybe false prophets, yes. And so he's saying the Spirit will acknowledge that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus as Christ. And the word acknowledge or molohi means the same as. He confesses. It does not deny. In other words, the Holy Spirit will reveal that Jesus is way, truth, and life, and that those false prophets are fake. They are pseudo-prophetis, false prophets. So how do we pick that up? Well, the Holy Spirit will reveal to us the truth about uh, Jesus' birth, that he is man and God. We call it hypostatic union, fully man and fully God. It's a mystery, but we believe in that, that he was born of a virgin and that he was God-man, and so his birth matters. His life matters that he never committed any single sin, that he was spotless, a man without sin, and could uh, feel what you and I feel, that he's a son of God, and the miracles are, are divine because he is the son of God. And every miracle that he did pointed to who his father is. His birth, his life, his death, that he paid the penalty on the cross of Calvary, Yesterday, my quiet time, I was reminded again that it's not just a loving father that we have that forgives us our sins. 
It's a loving father who sent his son to a cruel cross for my sins and for your sins, might I add. For us to be forgiven. It's not he's a nice guy. He'll forgive us our sins. In fact, buy us a burger afterwards. No, it cost Jesus his life. The son of God uh, going to the cross to bear my sins and your sins so we might experience forgiveness. His death matters. His resurrection also matters, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and the Father rose him from the dead, so we might be able to have the power to be able to live lives that are pleasing to him. His resurrection matters. But then his imminent second coming also matters, and we have hope in that, that we're constantly looking out the window that Jesus is on his way. It's not a mistake. It's not a false and fake promise that some of the false promise uh, prophets can make. That, you know, they're sending these little messages around. This is when Jesus is coming. Sell everything. Go sit on the Mount of Olives because he's on his way. Well, friends, the Spirit will never reveal that to you. We know that he's on his way. That gives us hope. We don't have to sell any magazines. We don't have to put our faith and trust in anything else but Jesus Christ and know that he's on his way back. His second coming matters. You see, what we believe about Jesus as Christ really matters. And the Spirit reveals Christ. It is a Spirit that exalts Christ. It's the Spirit that allows us to accept Christ. Not our own doing. It's the Spirit who allows us to accept Christ. And it's the Spirit that leads us to Christ and leads us every moment of the way. And so who is the key in all of this? Jesus Christ. In closing, let me just... Uh, Wrap it all up. How do we overcome? Well, we overcome because of who Christ is. Because of who Christ is. Not some pretty strong kind of uh, thing that leads us astray, but pretty strong encouragement for us as Christians. So he says in verse 4, You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them. So you know, folk, that that does not smell good. It doesn't look good. It doesn't sound good. Because we have overcome. And the word that he uses for overcome is the word Nike, Nike. We are conquerors. We are victorious. We've overcome. Not we will overcome. We have overcome. Not in our own strength, but what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary. And he says, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. I love the King James. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I think with an accent makes it stronger, you know. No. Verse 4, greater is he that is in you. The word in you, in, it means a position. Either you're ex-Christ or you're in Christ. He is in us and because he is in us and he has been revealed to us, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And so we have that power to overcome these false prophets. We're reminded by Paul in Romans 8.37 that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Now, folk, we all want to know, you know, about a certain person and their life. And so what do we do if we don't know them personally? We buy their autobiography. We read about them. I love autobiographies. And when I'm finished with that book, no matter how thin or how thick it is, and the person has shared their life through you know, their life journey in their book, feels like I know them intimately. 
feels like I know them. Wow, I've spent so many hours with them in them explaining who they are, autobiography. And here is the autobiography of who Jesus Christ is. And as we read his words, so we grow in faith. And we realize we are more than conquerors. Why? Because he possesses our lives. And so, folk, his power abides in us. The word abide in the Greek is not just uh, any word. <laughs> you know, uh, it's, it's a word that has got to do with, with permanence. You know, if I were to go on holiday uh, in Mandurah, I'd pop in there. Uh, we go on holiday, you pop in there. You don't abide there. You pop in there, but you always come back to your home, right? You abide in your home, meno. You meno in your home, that's that word. You know, and the power of God, meno, abides in us. The truth of God abides in us. The life of God abides in us. Uh, the love of God abides in us. And that's why he says in verses uh, five and six, there are from the, those false prophets are from the world, therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world. Why? Because Christ does not abide in them. They do not know God. And so he says, we are from God and whoever knows God listens to us. The word knows, they perceive, they are sure, they understand. Folk, let me confess my frustration to you. Many, many times when I speak to a non-believer, we speak in two different languages, as it were. Why? Because they're not of God. And I don't expect them to listen to me, but when we talk, we are on two different pages. Try and explain creation to a non-believer. Uh, try and explain the power of God to a non-believer. Try and explain that, you know, I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds my future to a non-believer. It's hard. It's hard. And that's where we can make a difference. But here he's saying, listen, whoever knows God, whoever understands God, is sure of God. And that's why we're on the same page. And this is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Same word there. The word recognize and the word knows is the same word there. So when you know God, you know truth. K-N-O God, K-N-O truth. N-O God, N-O truth. Get it? So when you know God, you know truth. Come through Jesus Christ. But if there is no God, there is no truth. And so they fight. They fight against the Messiah. And I want to say to you that it takes the Holy Spirit of God to the reveal the truth of God. And we can discern what is true and what is right and what is false by knowing what the truth is. So, I think Christians are to have a healthy skepticism. We need to ask certain questions and uh, see what is from God. You don't need to find out all the bad things to know what is the good. When you know the good, you pick up the bad. Folk, we ask questions like, uh, does it line up with God's revealed word? Show me from the book. Show me from the book. Also, does it exalt Christ? Does it exalt Christ? Why? Because in John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
And folk, that word I am, or those words I am, ero imi, in the Greek actually means, or in English it's I, comma, I am. Way. In other words, his personhood. I, I am truth. I, I am life. Does it exalt Christ? Well, it's got to, because he is truth. And John brings out to us, knowing God through Jesus Christ, because he is the truth. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word to our hearts. Thank you, Lord, that it's not by might, nor by power, but only by your Holy Spirit that we have the truth. And so, Lord, we pray that you will reveal this truth to us more and more. We hope you enjoyed this podcast brought to you from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. Our prayer is that what was said today inspires you and strengthens you in your faith. If you would like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, you can contact the team during office hours on the number you can find on our website at mounties.org.au. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to having your company again soon. God bless.